there is something about newness, isn't there? Something about things being new. When you think about something being new, you think about a blank canvas, don't you? You think about, man, the possibilities are endless. We could go anywhere. We could do anything. We could make things happen. We get excited. Have you ever, inter- have you ever noticed, like, baseball season started, and for you sports fans, have you ever noticed, like, they interview a coach, and the coach goes, I don't know what's going to happen this season. I don't know. You know, we'll just kind of Case sera, sera. Coaches don't say that. They say, man, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to get to the World Series. We're going to, you know. They're, they're painting a picture of where they want their team to go. And so God gives us a blank canvas in our life. And it's up to us to use that for a purpose and use that for a reason. And so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is Rising to your destiny, not just letting life happen to you, but you happening to life. Too many of us go through life just letting life just kind of happen to us, rather than us happening to life. You see, in the Bible, God started with a blank canvas. He started with Adam and Eve, and he looked down on his creation, and he said, it's good, and it all looks good. But then Adam and Eve said, "Ah, you know what, God, we can kind of do this thing ourselves. We got this, right? And so they kind of reject God, and they go about, and they do their own thing. They say, God, we got this. We're going to go do our own thing. And then something happens. The Bible says that God comes down, and he can't find them. He goes, where are you at? And he approaches Adam, and he says, Adam, what happened? Now, (laughs) I know that Adam had no male role models, You know how I know Adam had no male role models? Because the first words out of his mouth were, she made me do it. He blames his wife. Now, any good married man knows better, right? Like, you don't do that. In fact, before your feet ever hit the ground in the morning, you say, honey, I'm sorry, it's my fault. For what? I don't know. Whatever happens today is my fault. I'm sorry, right? So, like, Adam had no male role models. He had nobody to show him or train him in that. So what's he do? He says, well, the woman, and I love it, the woman you put here with me, she made me do it. So he goes to Eve. Eve, what's going on? The serpent, the devil, the devil made me do it. Now, now, that sounds like my kids. The devil made me, it was the devil's fault. The devil made me do it, right? And so God in Genesis chapter 3 gives our very first prophecy about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is his comments to Satan. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. What an interesting thing. He says, You are going to bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. In other words, Satan You're going to do some damage to the Son of God, but he is going to step on your head and literally destroy all of your works and destroy everything and every power that you think you have. You see, right out of the gate, God had a plan. Stephen Covey, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Affected People, do you know what the second habit is if you've read the book? The second habit is you begin with the end in mind. 
Highly successive people know what they want the end to look like before they ever get there. People who are highly effective set out a plan and they chase it and they go for it and they accomplish it and they go after it. And so God has a plan. God has a purpose. He has a plan right out of the gate to redeem us. Now, if you're not used to being in church, the word redeem means to buy back. It means I'll pay for that. I want it. Give it to me. I will buy it back. Right? So redeem is just a churchy word. It simply means to, to buy back. And so God, right out of the gate, has a plan to buy back humanity from the enemy. And all of the things that go on in our life, the, the bad things that happen in our life, God says, I can use that. I can use that to mold you. I can use that to shape you. Maybe you've gone through a nasty divorce. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you were handed the pink slip and kicked out of your job. Whatever it is, God says, I can use that. That, in my kingdom, has a purpose and a plan. And guess what? There's not always an explanation, but there's a purpose. We can't always explain why things happen, but God says, I will use that. That has a purpose in your life. I will use that to mold you and to shape you. I will use that to draw you closer to me. You see, you can't explain everything in life, but you can find a purpose in it. There's a reason in it. God doesn't want bad things to happen to us, but man, sometimes we just make dumb mistakes, right? Look, even if you just got through junior high, I know you made a dumb mistake because that's just how that stage of life is, right? Everybody makes dumb mistakes. God says, I don't care how dumb and stupid you think it is. I have a plan and a purpose for that. I can, I can use that. And so God has a plan for your life. We don't have to always understand it. We just have to allow him to work out his purpose in our life. And so as we've talked about for the last two weeks... Three times Jesus told his disciples, um, they're going to hand me over, they're going to beat me, they're going to spit on me, they're going to insult me, oh, and then they're going to crucify me. Like he told his disciples that three times. And they didn't even get it. They're like, oh, okay, uh, uh, whatever. Right? They don't get it. They don't get it at all. Not at all. And he's telling them and he's telling them and he's telling them. And then the day comes where he's crucified. And I, I can't even begin to imagine what's going through their mind. Can you? I mean, I can't even imagine what's, what they're thinking. And so they bury him in the tomb. And the next morning, in Luke chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, here's what is recorded by Luke. The angel says to the women, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. Look. It's one thing when your spouse says, I told you so. <laughs> but when God sends down an angel to say, I told you so, <laughs> right? Like, I told you guys. I've been telling you guys for three years this was going to happen, right? God, this is like God's I told you so. I told you so. It says, remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, Rise again. These women, probably like his disciples, thought he's in the grave. He's in the tomb. He's going to be there because that's where dead people are. Right? You don't, you don't go, to the, super, you don't go to, like, to the supermarket to find dead people. You go to the tomb. This is where he's supposed to be. 
But I can tell you this, that when God begins to do something in your life, things change. And when things begin to change, the person that you used to be, people don't know. They're like, wait, you used to be like that, but now you're like this. You used to be over here with us, but now you're over here doing this. And I don't understand it, and it doesn't make sense to me. People expect a certain type of person from you. But when God gets a hold of your heart and he begins to change the way you think and the way you live your life, they're going to look for you in one place, but you've gone somewhere else and they don't know what to do about it. And that's a reason to get excited. That's the reason that we follow Jesus and say, in and of myself, I can't do it. I never have been able to do it. In and of myself, I, I do this thing called sin. You know what sin is? It's a church word. It means to miss the mark. It's actually... Back in the day, it was an archery term, and it means to draw your bow, shoot the arrow, and you completely miss the target completely. That was called sin. And every time I try to do stuff in my own power, I sin. I'm like, I, I, I blow it. I, I, I can't do this, and I can't do that. And people go, well, here comes Tyson again. But guess what? Jesus says, no, 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 I got this. Accept it. Believe in me. And so people then, as you accept Jesus and begin to follow him, he begins to change your life. Things change. And it's not you working it. It's him working inside of you, making changes. The question is, how do we, like Jesus, get from where we're at to a place where we can rise to our destiny and get to our purpose and accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish? Well, it's in this verse. The angel tells him. The angel tells him basically three things. It says, he was delivered up, he was killed, and then he will rise. Three ways you're going to rise to your purpose that God has for you. Number one, you got to give stuff up. Number two, you got to kill some stuff. And number three, and only then are you ready to rise to the destiny and the purpose that God has in your life. So number one, to be delivered up means to give up, to give some stuff up. You've got to give stuff up. Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, as he's there in the garden, Judas comes and he kisses him on the cheek. And all the Roman soldiers know then, that's our guy. And they go after him. And they go to get him, right? And the Bible says that as... He's being arrested. Peter reaches down, draws out his sword, and chops off the ear of the Roman soldier who's getting ready to cuff him. And Peter sees Jesus, and Jesus sees Peter, and their eyes lock. And Jesus says, Peter, we're not doing it that way. Put your sword away. And the Bible says the very soldier that was getting ready to arrest him, Jesus reaches down on the ground, picks up his ear, puts it back on the side of his head, and this is okay, stop. Cuff me. Let's go. That's giving up. That's giving up. That's giving it over and saying, not my will, your will. Not what I want out of life. What do you want out of my life? What do you want to accomplish in my life? You see, we want to get better. We want to be better people. We want to, we want to grow. We want to be more like Jesus. If that's going to happen, you're going to have to give some stuff up in your life. There are some friends you're going to have to give up. You just have to give them up and be like, I'll be high, you know, like I'll be friendly and courteous and stuff, but we're not hanging out anymore. I'm giving this up. There's going to be, there's going to be some attitudes. You're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up the unforgiveness. You're going to have to give up the bitterness. You're going to have to give that stuff up. 
you know what? You're going to have to give up binging on Netflix. Oh, snap. Right? Like, we did 21 days of prayer and fasting, and our family gave up an hour of TV every night. We gave it up. Did it hurt a little bit? Yeah. But it wasn't worth it? Yes. You're going to have to give stuff up if you're going to rise up to your purpose. Listen, if you want to be married, you got to give up being single. Shocker. I mean, I mean, some people haven't figured that out yet. If you're going to be married, you got to give up being single. If you want to be an astronaut, you got to give up being a pro fisherman. You, you can't, you can't, there's no fishing line that long for one, right? You have to, you have to give some things up. You have to give up to rise up to your destiny. But everything in our world says you got to work harder to get to your destiny. you got to work harder to get to your purpose. No, 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 no. In the spiritual world, giving up causes you to rise up. The second thing is this. He was crucified, killed. Now listen, killing is different than giving up. When you're going to kill things in your life, it's going to hurt. Giving up, you can just kind of wash your hands, walk away, be done. If you're killing something, there's pain involved. There's going to be some pain involved for you to get to your destiny and to get to your purpose. When somebody enlists in the military and they go to boot camp, you know what they do? They kill the civilian and raise a soldier. And there's a difference between a soldier and a civilian. And they know they got to break them down and kill them. And does it hurt? Ask anybody that's been in the boot camp. Yes, it hurts. Hurts a lot. But they're raising soldiers right? You have to kill some things. You know, in my own life, I've got some friends, I've got some people in my life that I had to, just a few weeks ago, I'm like, look, this relationship's done. It's over. This friendship is, I killed it. Why? Because every time I'm around, that per, I'm around that person and talk to them, I walk away feeling worse than when I started talking to them. Guess what? You need to be with people that celebrate you and not tolerate you. You need to kill some relationships. You need to kill some stuff in your life. You might have to kill an addiction. It's painful. It hurts. But you're going to have to kill it to get to your destiny. You've got to kill some things. Listen, when Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross being crucified, do you realize seven different times he had a conversation with his father? Seven times on that cross. Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Seven different times, seven times he has a conversation. Of the seven, six times he says, Father, 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 Father. Six times he says, Father. The seventh time, that seventh time, he doesn't refer to him as Father. He says, My God, my God, why did you forsake me? And it's no longer Father, it's God. It's no longer personal. Now it's like, what's going on? This is hurting me. God, why did you turn your back on me? It's the first six were personal. The seventh time, it hurt more than all of the other pain. Here's what I can tell you. That Jesus' rejection was your eternal protection. Jesus' rejection was your eternal protection. 
And most of the time, what feels like rejection is just God's protection. God is protecting you from people that don't need to be in your life. God's protecting you from things that you don't need to see or watch. God's protecting you from a job that he knows would do more damage, and so you got turned down. And sometimes God's rejection is really just his protection. You need to accept God's protection that sometimes feels like rejection. Because the only way that your life is going to culminate to its purpose is if you're willing to give up, if you're willing to kill. Because third, after those three, what did the angel say? He has risen. He has raised up from where he was. Listen, God's will for your life is your best case scenario. The best case scenario is God's will for your life. Not your will, his will. You know why? This is how I know this. Because you will spend your life doing what you see and analyzing the options that you see. We see about this much. God sees the entire stage. And you have to decide, am I going to follow the one that sees everything, or am I just going to go after what I see as possible? Listen, I don't want to live my life I don't want to get to the end of my life on my deathbed and say, I did everything possible. I want to get to my deathbed and say, I connected to the God of the impossible, and I lived a life of impossibilities. I lived the impossible life, not the possible life. But as long as we keep living life for ourselves and doing things the way we want, we'll only do what's possible. I want to do what's impossible. You know what's impossible? Going to a town of 2,000 people and starting a church out of your living room with no support. That's impossible. I, yes, thank you, honey. <laughs> right? That's impossible. Here's what I can tell, tell you. That people that live life with a purpose, people that live life on purpose, with destiny in their hearts, they thank God for the fight. It's true. People with purpose don't think people with purpose don't sit back in their prayer life and say, God, thank you for my my quad cab dually diesel truck that I just bought with an awesome trailer. God, thank you for the 55-inch TV. God, thank you. People with purpose don't thank God for the stuff. They thank God for the stuff that they had to go through. People with purpose thank God for the fight because it's the fight that molds you. It's the fight and the hard times that cause you to rise up to something higher. Stuff is just stuff and it's going to go away. And I knew so, it's going to rust. And next year there'll be a better one. But people with purpose say, give me the fight, baby. I want it. I'm ready to be molded. I'm ready to be shaped. I wish somebody would fight me. I wish somebody would put me in a situation that's going to make me be better than what I am. I wish God would just put me in something that will cause me to fight because I've got a purpose. And I'm here to show the world that I ain't here by accident. I'm here with a purpose rising to my destiny for a reason. People with purpose fight. If you ain't got no fight, I got to ask you, you got purpose? Because listen, I've coached, and I've coached teams that have no purpose, and they've given up. I don't like it, and they know I don't like it. People with purpose fight. People with purpose look for the hard times to make them better, and they rise to the challenge. Listen, people with purpose don't care if they drive a clunker, because they know they're going somewhere. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I'm driving my clunker. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm driving my clunker. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I'm going somewhere. Don't laugh. You're going somewhere, baby. Don't laugh at me. It might rust. The wheel might be like wobbly. It don't matter. I got some place to go. And I'm going to ride in my fight all the way till I get there because I'm a person of destiny. I'm a person with purpose. And I'm going to rise to it. And so I'm going to give up driving the Mercedes for right now because I've got purpose. Right? You've got a reason for existing. You've got to give up. You've got to kill some stuff. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he allowed himself to hang on the cross. Okay. Look, God, I realize that the spiritual world is often different than our physical world. Some theologians believe that as he was hanging on the cross, he looked through the eons of time, and he saw everybody that would ever accept him as Lord and Savior, and he counted it joy. He was joyful. He looked through the eons of time, and he saw you, and 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 everybody else. He said, they're my joy. I'll take it. Bring it, Satan. Because yeah. i got something in me. I've got destiny. I've got purpose. And you don't even know what's about to happen because I'm about to. As Genesis chapter 3 said, I'm about ready to crush your heel, and you don't even know it. So bring it, baby. Yeah, yeah. There's a man with purpose. And he says, bring it on. You want to fire me? Bring it because God's got a better job. Car, you want to fall apart? Bring it, baby. I get me a better car. God knows what I need. My kid comes home with all Fs. That's all right. Maybe school ain't his thing. God's got a reason for that. Bring it, baby. It's good. It's okay. Right? You were his reason. You were his pride and joy. Luke 24, verse 44, just a, just a few chapters over. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Here it comes. You ready? This is what I told you. I told you so. I told you guys. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. She said, listen, I had to do, I got a job to do, people. People with purpose don't, don't let stuff hang on to them. They don't, they don't hang on to bad emotions. They don't hang on to stuff in the past. They let it go. They, listen, people, people with purpose ain't hanging, hanging around talking about the glory days and the good old days when they threw that touchdown pass to win the game. They ain't talking about it. Because they get ready to throw another touchdown pass. Their life has moved on from that. People with purpose don't look back. They look forward. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Death cannot end what God begins. Death cannot end what God begins. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. This is the good, and this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants, he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Listen, he wants you to be saved. He wants you in heaven. But the choice is yours. God doesn't send people to hell. We send ourselves there by rejecting him, doing stuff our way. You have to make a decision. Am I 
going, am I going to do the will of the Father who has a plan for my life or not? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the last verse for this morning, we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You were born with a blank canvas in your life. You are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew in Christ Jesus. So when you give your life to Christ, you're made new. You're a brand, in God's eyes, it's a brand new slate. It's a new day, a new beginning. And some of you today need a new beginning. Some of you, in a little bit, need to come forward and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, God, I need a blank canvas in my life. I'm tired of doing life my way. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to kill so I can rise up. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. <laughs> I don't know if you know it or not. God has things he wants you to accomplish. You'll never accomplish them if you don't plug into him. You can't. You can't know, you can't know the game plan unless you're in the locker room with the coach. You can't just show up on the field and go, okay, I'm going to do my thing. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of heaven. You will never know the plan God has for your life unless you are plugged into God and he begins to show you the plan for your life. I believe God wants every single person in this room to soar to new heights. You know, two birds, chickens and eagles. You see, when a storm comes, when a nasty Rain-swept, wind-swept storm comes. Chickens, they're all clucking around, and they're like, and they run into the coop. They run into the coop. Oh, my gosh. And they all, you know what an eagle does? Eagle goes, yeah, storm. And an eagle flies before the storm gets there because he can sense the pressure changing. An eagle flies to the highest tree, the highest cliff, the highest rock, as high as he can. And he waits. As soon as that first gust of wind hits, he spreads his wings and he takes off up through the rain, up through the clouds, and he goes above that storm and he just soars over the storm. God has designed you to be an eagle, not a chicken. We need to quit clucking every time a storm comes in our life. We need to go, bring it because I got a purpose. I'm going to rise above this and I'm going to fly above this because God has called me out of my grave to go someplace with my life. So my question to you this morning is this. Have you been living like an eagle or a chicken? Because here's what else an eagle does. An eagle realizes about the age 40, in closing, at the age of 40, an eagle realizes it's destined to die. And so what an eagle does is it goes up to a high cliff. Its beak is hard. The beak is so heavy at the age of 40, it pulls its head down. Its feathers are so old, it's full of dirt and oil and goo. Its talons, the muscle in its talons are weak. And the eagle will go up to a cliff in the sun, and the eagle will beat its snout against the rock until the beak falls off, and it just bleeds. I'm not trying to be gross, but in the process, it grows a brand new beak. And with that new beak, it reaches down and it pulls out its talons. 
And it's painful, but he's killing something in himself because he knows if he doesn't do it, he'll never live because the feathers and the beak and the talons are too weak and too heavy anymore. And with the new talons and with the new beak, he will begin to totally pull all of the feathers out and say, it's time for a new beginning. And he will grow new feathers in the sun. And they will go on and live another 30 to 40 years. But if that eagle does not reset itself on a blank canvas, it will die at the age of 40. And I invite you this morning as we stand up. You can make a decision to rise up. Maybe you need a blank canvas and a new start. I'm going to ask Cam and Aaron to come down on this side. I'm going to ask Jesse and Lynn to come over here on this side. And as we close out in song, if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said, Jesus, I'm tired of doing things my way. I want your way. I want to invite you to come forward. They want to pray with you. And then we're going to help. We're going to walk with you spiritually. We're going, to, we're going to team you up with somebody and just one-on-one just help you grow spiritually, produce those new feathers and that new beak and that new talons and rise up to new heights. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything else, as we close out in song, we want to pray with you.